Bhagavad Gita is a book of mankind's collected experience of and answers to life's most basic questions. Who I am? From where do I come? What is my purpose and destiny? And most practically, how do I find happiness? These podcasts originate in the lectures of Neil Bhatt, a disciple of Swami Chinmayananda. They are presented here in 20 to 30 minute segments, each covering three of the Gita's 701 verses. Welcome to Gita Wisdom for Daily Living. Been discussing chapter 17, Sadha Trevipag Yoga, Yoga of Threefold Sadha. We are coming to the conclusion of this chapter, and with this chapter, we are literally concluding the teachings of Bhagavad Gita. Chapter 18 will be more the summary of what we have discussed so far. As we had discussed many times, Gita is written in the same format. The marketing people tell you how to make presentation. Tell them what you're going to tell them. Tell them and tell them what you told them. So chapter 2 told us what we're going to be discussing in Bhagavad Gita. And in that we have seen the biggest paradigm shift for us is the one which I consider mortal is not mortal. I which I consider mortal is not mortal. This body is perishable and therefore the mortality is only for the body. Having known that my misconception about myself, the one I refer to is me, is not mortal. It's imperishable. But right now my all perceptions are this is me and I'm mortal. I was born at time T1, I'll die at time T2. Between these two hypothetical events, I consider is my life. Both Occurrings are hypothetical from my perspective because I have no experience of my birth, neither will I have any experience of my death which I can come and tell somebody what it looks like. So there is no living person who can have a first-hand experience which he can describe that this is what birth is like. We infer from our observations what birth is like, what our death is like. But we consider this life to be limited between those two events. And Bhagavad Gita chapter 2 clarifies that that's not you. That which dies is your body alone. In addition to this body, which is the outer layer, the gross body, the subtle body, the mind and intellect, that subtle body survives after the death of the body because it has a longer lifespan. As long as it identifies with that entity as an ego. It's called jiva, the conditioned consciousness. That mind is more important for me because it is going to survive the death of this body. So last two chapters which we had been discussing, chapter 16 and 17, focused on our mind. In for six chapters we learned about overall limited I that I am that I am, this body, this mind, this intellect, I consider this I as me, the limited being, conditioned by these limitations of my body, my mind and my intellect. And how then I function in this world, in the world of plurality, is explained in the first six chapters. 
But second chapter told us there is no plurality, there is only one singularity which manifests as this plurality. That is the only reality which exists all the time. That is what we discuss as Sat Chitananda. Sat which exists in past, it exists in present, and it will also exist in future. That one reality is my real self. How do I make connection from this limited identification with the limited being to that almighty, all-pervading self is the quest of life. And therefore, chapter 7th through 12 describe what is that reality which is all-pervading, almighty, source of all beings and things as I perceive in this world. And last segment, and now giving us the practical instructions of how to make that leap from this identification to that. So the mind is the most important aspect of our personality, which is identifying with this limited being, creating this ego. We call ahankar. I am the doer. That thought is the ahankar. So the thinking entity is four parts. One is chittam, which is the thinking entity itself. Then mind, that which waffles between either this is right or that is right, is mind. That which decides decisively this is it, is buddhi. And the last one, ahankar, that which is I am the doer, is ahankar. So this thinking entity is what we are concerned about. Body has its own dharma, it took birth at one time, it, is, it grew, it decaying, and will die. Mind will continue as me. So chapter 16 and 17 focused on mind. Chapter 16 told us what is the nature of mind. Nature of mind is made up of your tendencies. Your tendencies are formed by your past experiences. Every experience left either a positive or a negative impression on your mind. That thought creates new channels. Those channels when become deep, become a direction for your mind, which we call tendencies. So my mind constantly go towards my tendencies, and my tendencies are two types, as we have discussed in last chapter, negative, which are binding. It binds me more to these limitations, which tells me that the limitations, somehow if I can manipulate, I will be happy. I'm not rich enough, if I get more money, I'll be happy. I'm not strong enough, I'll become strong, I'll be happy. So these limitations, which are negative in terms of binding me to the limitations, are called demonic tendencies or we call it demonic estates. Those which are liberating tendencies, which liberate me from my limitations, are the divine tendencies. We are all seeking liberation, but from what that we do not know. So for an example, cigarette smoker, why he can't quit cigarette even after he knows that the cigarette is harmful to his health? Because the demands of his mind, his addiction. If I can liberate myself from that addiction, that craving for the cigarette, I will be liberated. And I am a reformed smoker, so I understand exactly what I'm talking about. 
when you are craving for the cigarette, it was so difficult to give up cigarette, even though you know, and you knew that it was bad. Once you grew out of that craving, so what you literally did is by your efforts, you received moksha from your craving for the cigarette. One that craving for the nicotine is gone, it's actually very easy. That's what you feel liberated. The cigarette cannot have any power on me anymore. Previously passing by the Bidiwala shop in India, all those enchanting packets will lure you to But now it doesn't because you grew out of this. So this moksha which we are seeking is from the demands of our mind. The demands of the body, mind and senses, that's my real bondage. I want liberation from those demands. So, chapter 16, we have seen that these are the two types of tendencies people have and you will have. You have to grow out of your negative tendency because they are binding. You have to grow into your liberating tendency, then you will be liberated. Then chapter 17, we talked about how that affect me. These standards affect me in my sraddha, in my faith. As my tendency, so is my faith. If my tendencies are sattvic, my faith will be sattvic. If my tendencies are rajasic, my faith will be rajasic. If my tendency is tamasic, my faith will be tamasic. That's given. In other words, we really don't have much opportunity to change what I have done in the past. The tendencies which I have accumulated from my past actions, from my past experiences, we have to start with that. That's my bank balance. I have to start with that. But to start with that, I have to understand what's in my portfolio. So we have looked at three types of tendencies will manifest in a particular behavior in everything I do. That is where I can do introspection. Observing my own behavior, whether it is sattvic, whether it is tamasic or rajasic, will tell me whether my portfolio of my tendencies is sattvic, rajasic or tamasic. So then we have discussed in this chapter that depending on my tendency, my ahar, what I eat, what I like to eat, the yagna, the sacrifices I perform, and we have discussed sacrifice, not in the sense of a Vedic rituals of yagna, but all that I put my efforts into are my sacrifice. I'm offering something for a greater good is my sacrifice. They will be either sattvic, rajasik or tamasik. Then we say tapas, the disciplines which I follow. I discipline myself to achieve certain level of efficiency in me. The tapas, we have discussed, there are three types. One is at the physical level, at my activity level. Second is my speech level, that how I speak. Satyam vada, priyam vada. So I think I'm speaking truth, but that truth is harming other people. It's not really sattvic. So Bhagavan said, how you do your tapas is determined by your tendencies. So third tapas is at the mental level. So discipline these three is your tapas. And they will be also affected by your tendency. The last we have seen is the dhanam. The charities we do to purify ourselves. So yagna, tapa and dhana falls into the activities of which I do for my betterment. So dhana also falls into a category of something which I am doing it for myself. 
for my evolution, not to help others. Others may get help, but main motivation I have is for my own betterment. We call it earning punya. You do this much dan, you will get this much punya. Punya means the positive impression on your mind. That impression which gives you joy and sense of freedom is punya. That impression which gives you regrets is papa. It's as simple as that. So Bhagavan said even dana also will be affected by that. And then comes question where we started is, I really don't have much freedom right now because my tendencies till today are the sum total of all the experiences that I have. So now that I know that there are sattvic rajas and tamasic, and I should have consulted the scriptural books long before, what do I do now? And Bhagavan said, not to worry. Brahman, the reality, all-pervading reality is indicated by three indications in Vedas. That is Om, Tat, and Sat. Even though I perceive this world as a world of plurality, I know that it is the expression of the same single entity. The basic building block of this universe, if we stop at Newton's science, is atom. Atoms are all same. They come in contact with each other from various types of entities. That's what we call a pluralistic world. But the source is one. That source is indicated as Om. Om is the word which indicates the creation, the sustenance, and the destruction, the creative destruction. If I keep that Brahman, that concept in my mind, which says that reality is only one, we are just the expression of the reality, strung into each other by that same reality, which we call consciousness. Consciousness is one. Each one expresses that consciousness differently depending on my equipment, the quality of my equipment. Every action which I perform, if I remember that, then it will be purified. My action, whether it is sattvic, rajasic, or tamasic, from others' perspective, it will be purified for me. Why? Because with that thought that there is unity in this diversity, that I am doing it for that one entity, it will give a positive impression on my mind. That, as we have talked about, is the liberating experience. So Bhagavan said, start all activities, yagna, tapana, dana, by uttering Om. That will be purifying element. Whether you knew whether Sattvic Rajasthamsik does not matter, because your intention is now sattvic. Therefore, start with that. Then the next verse is the tat. Without having the desire for the fruit of my action, without having any particular goal in my mind, what I want to get out of this action and say, I offer this action to that Almighty who makes it possible for me to act in this world. Bhagavan said, again, their action will become sattvic. And then we have the discussion of sat. Sadbhave, sadubhave cha, sat iti etat prayujyate. The sat is indicated by 
that eternal reality, Sat that remains in existence all the time, the ultimate existence, which is no past, no present and no future. All other existences I know in this life are perishable. Come into existence one time, remain in existence for a time, and will be destroyed in time. So that's called relative existence. But that which remains constant all the time is indicated as sat, sadhu bhavecha, and also the goodness in this world is indicated by the word sat. So when you utter sat, it is both indicating the almighty, all-pervading Brahman, but also the very goodness which is embodied in that sat. Sat iti prayujyate. Prasaste karmani tata sat sabdaha partha yujyate. And also a part of the word sat is used in the sense of auspicious act. So any act which is done with that intention for that Almighty and for the goodness of all is considered sat karma. So therefore, Bhagavan said, you keep in mind that grander goal of liberating yourself from your limitations, do everything for him, and all your actions will be sat-karma. Yagne tapase dane cha sthitihi sad iti uchyate karma che vetad arthiyam sad iti avabhidhiyate So, yagne tapase dane cha sthitihi sad iti uchyate So, what is considered sat in my actions? The permanence, consistency in actions is considered sat. Consistency in yagna. Performing good action once in a year is not sat bhagavadze. Consistently you are acting in that manner is considered sat. Yagne tapase dane chasthitihi. Steadfastness. Consistently doing these three. We talked about these are the three instruments we use to purify our mind and intellect. If I want to purify something, I have to constantly keep it tuned. And I can constantly keep it tuned. If I use these instruments I have, yagna, tapa, and dana, consistently, then my actions are considered sat-karma. Karma ceva tad arthiyam sat iti eva avidhiyate. And therefore, action in connection with these also I'll call sat. If I go back to the basics which we have learned in Bhagavad Gita, they do everything for the yagna, for the greater good. Expect no particular result. Why I am not expecting results? Because I have complete faith in law of karma. That the results of my actions will be according to my actions. Whatever I get will be prasad from the Bhagavan. The karma faladata will give me what I deserve, not what I desire. If I have that complete faith, my actions will be very proficient and efficient. The Bhagavan said, Continue doing that because if you don't do that, what happens? Without faith, actions taken. It may seem I'm working very hard in my efforts in yagna, dana, and tapa, but the asraddhaya, because I'm doing it without faith. I don't know whether this works or not, but let's try it anyway. It's like a safety factor, going to temple before the day of exam. I used it all the time, safety factor. Keep a Ganesha in front of you on the exam. 
might as well. It doesn't hurt at least. You know, it's like Ayurvedic medicine, no side effect. Like even Ganesha in front of you, it doesn't really hurt. But Asraddhi, I don't have faith that that will really help me or not. So Bhagavan, actions performed without faith, not only there but here also. Asatiti uchyate partha nacha tat pretya na iha. Not after your death, nor here, these actions have no value whatsoever. I mean, it's pretty harsh. Asatiti uchyate. Every action performed without any faith, whether in your profession, in your social life, in your relationships, in any activities you do without any faith. Bhagavan says, Asat means have no basis of reality. It has no strength and therefore it has no real results. Even the results come, they are obviously of very temporary nature and not going to give you any permanent happiness. All three which was in yagna performed without sraddha, donation given without sraddha, and disciplining yourself without sraddha, Bhagavan say is considered asat and therefore it will not give any good results in this life or hereafter. And this is where chapter 17 ends. And as you can see, we have just learned that every action... If you start with Om Tat Sat, is for that, it will be purified. At the end of every chapter, there is Sankalpa Vakya. So here also it ends, Om Tat Sat Iti. This is the reality. Om Tat Sat Iti. Srimad Bhagavad Gita Su Upanishad Su. Srimad Bhagavad Gita is considered Upanishad by itself. Even though we have talked about Bhagavad Gita is the cliff notes of all the Upanishads. Because you can't learn all the Upanishads, Bhagavan Krishna was nice enough to put it in a short form. So now you have the essence of all the Upanishads. But because it deals with Brahma Vidyayam, it deals with Brahma Vidya, knowledge about that Supreme Self, it itself considers an Upanishad. Yoga Sastra, it is the scripture about uniting your limited self to that Supreme Self. Sri Krishna Arjuna Samvade, in a form of a dialogue between Sri Krishna and Arjuna, Sraddha Traya Vibhagi Yoga. The yoga of three types of Sraddha. Thus ended a 17th chapter. Om Sarve Bhavantu Sukhina Sarve Santu Niramayaha Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu Ma Kaschit Dukkha Bhagbhave Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om